Yes, let's do it. Another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne. I am your host, and it is my job to unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Erica, who spent the beginning of her career in capital markets and realized that just wasn't for her. She had enough self-awareness to make a change, and that change resulted in co-founding Vacation Fund, which I've linked in the show notes and we do talk about in the episode. But we go deep on her burnout, and I think most importantly, what led up to that burnout and what she's doing now in terms of mental fitness and all the different practices to avoid a situation like that. So enjoy this conversation, and if you are, please leave us a little bit of love wherever you're listening, reviews, stars, they go a long way. Lastly, this episode's brought to you by Keo, our mental fitness app. All of these incredible people are loaded in app to help guide you through your daily reflection. Search KYO in the Apple App Store and it will pop up. Thanks as always for your attention today and have the absolute best day yet. Who are you? Or what defines you? I know a bit of a loaded question to start. (laughs) Oh man. Well, it's funny because I've had so many conversations with entrepreneurs now since leaving to start my own company. And so many people were starting companies since they were young and built this identity for themselves always around starting companies. And that was so not me. I was a good student. I always worked hard, but I played by the rules. I did everything I was supposed to. I studied. (laughs) I did extracurriculars. I played by the book in every respect possible. Um, I was always a competitive athlete, so that I think, for the most part, defined my childhood, kept me goal-oriented, kept me sort of focused and a team player and out of trouble. And then when I graduated university, I just went into the finance industry. I said, okay, I want to make some good money. I want to do something where I can harness that sort of competitive edge. So I was on a trading floor in Toronto and I loved aspects of it, but I looked around and I just couldn't see my next goal. Hmm. So I would say that probably besides like values like sports and athletics and family and travel like that is the only thing that's really defined me is always looking for something that I was excited to work towards it's interesting so I was just reflecting as you're saying that it just it seemed like you know you're on the path right I mean going through school going through you know you had the good marks you had this you saw where you wanted to go out, you know, you're out of school, you're onto the job path, but then you obviously broke that cycle. So what, what was it about your journey that caused you to, to stop the cycle? Um, I think it was actually my first take at looking around and starting to wonder where the future was going and what jobs would look like in the future. So I looked around the trading floor and there were certain desks that were contracting. And I thought, okay, well, I can't see my next goal. I can't find whose life or whose job I want to work towards next. And I asked people, what should my next goal be for my career? And they said, well, this is capital markets. You should probably go write your CFA. And I had friends that had spent years studying for the CFA and writing and passing 
all three levels in minimum three years, sometimes a lot longer than that. And I just thought, well, okay, I went as far as buying the CFA books. I purchased the CFA books (laughs) and then I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And then I had to refund the purchase because I said, I'm happy to work hard on my evenings and weekends. I'm not against hard work, but I can't work hard for this. I just didn't have passion for the content. I couldn't see where that was actually going to take me. And the more I talked to people that had actually done it, the more they said either, yeah, that was maybe a waste of time, or I forget everything that I learned, or it was just something I did because people told me to do it. And that was the point where I said, I I just can't, I can't do that. I can't go through and spend that many hours working on something where I don't actually know what going through that process would take me to. Okay. So pretty much back to the goal, right? Exactly. Exactly. And around that time, I started reading articles on Notable every day. And I was reading about young people starting companies. Some of them were qualified to start companies in certain industries and others weren't. They just gave it a shot. And I said, okay, how how do I go through life and have no regrets? How do I go through life and think about like work hard for something that I actually truly care about. So I was, I, and when I was reading these articles, those are the people whose lives I admired as much as they said, it's really hard work and you're a crazy person if you start a company, but those were people that were following their passion and living without regrets. And I just thought if I don't try to start a company in a space that I really care about, then I might wonder. And someone really, someone interesting really early on in my sort of trying to figure out whether or not to leave the corporate space said, oh, I go um, do some work and volunteer at an elderly care home once a month. And they said it was so motivational because you hear people talk about the things they wish they'd done when they were young. And that to me was almost like a turning point. It was like, how do I prevent myself from having those regrets? I need to leave to start a company. It's so two things there. I mean, one, I can't remember someone, someone on the podcast had, had dropped a a stat and it, it's something like 75 to 80% uh, of people in like that get to their deathbed. It's Ben Nimpton. That's who it is from the buried life that, um, that if you ask them, like, what's the one thing that you regret and 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 it always came back to you and this is where the stat comes from 75 plus percent said that they didn't live out their life to the max or they had some sort of regrets with their life yeah it's scary yeah that's crazy but also really empowering if you think about it now yeah no for sure i'm curious erica because i mean we all hear and I, i fall in that camp as well before jumping into starting your own business or whatever it is, um, you, you do hear, oh yeah, it's really hard. And, and, you know, don't go in, don't go in it for the wrong reasons, blah, 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 because it's, it is really hard, but I feel like until you get into it, like you don't actually realize what that, that means. Yeah. Right. And so I, I'm just curious. Cause it sounds like we, 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 first of all, we've asked this, we asked the same questions when we left our corporate job, which is ironic. Um, <laughs> but what has your take been on if you reflect back when you're about to make that decision to leave and jump into this world? Like, how did you process that now that you're in it, obviously? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I think for me, I'm really glad that, and I, I don't think this has to be true for everyone. Um, but for me, the lesson that I learned going into it was don't start a company unless you are so passionate about solving the problem that you can't not do it. And to me, I thought, okay, if I'm going to work so hard and put my heart and soul into something, what do I need to bring into the world? And it kind of stems from, so maybe that was initially, maybe I was initially driven by the idea that I wanted the experience of starting a company because I knew I could learn a lot and I knew I could take a lot from that experience regardless of where it took me. So I think that coupled with my sort of upbringing and knowing what things I was truly passionate about drove me to find a thing that I knew I needed to bring into the world. So for me, it was my dad growing up, not spending money on anything but travel. So I mean, no unnecessary air conditioning, no meals out, any way that he could possibly save money, he did. But he took our family on three trips a year. Okay. So by the time I turned 22, I'd been to over 40 countries. And my dad was what I like to call a millennial before millennials because <laughs> he just lived for experiences over stuff. He knew that he wanted to know that he spent every year he had in his life with his his family doing something exciting or memorable, like some sort of experience. And that to me when I looked at this generation that sometimes was joining these bucket list platforms and trying to travel more often, you could call it the Instagram generation, people that are creating these identities around the places they've been and the things they've experienced. I think that's driven some people to say, well, I I guess I need to experience more or I want to do more cool, unique things. And that to me was the motivation to say, okay, well, that's great. But one of the trips my dad was never willing to fund was a safari because it's so expensive. And that was on a lot of people's bucket lists. And I said, (laughs) okay, I just need to help people save for experiences. I need to give people that may not even think it's possible an opportunity to experience more and travel more. And that's what drove me. I said, I had the most remarkable childhood of anyone I could, I think I know because I got to experience all these amazing places and how do I help more people do that? It's amazing. I love that story. Did you, did you find like when you were a kid traveling around with your family, did you notice that things were a little bit different, especially because I I can imagine it like in that generation that was really putting in the 60 hour weeks as like the badge of honor, right? (laughs) So Uh, Like, did you, were you self-aware that, you know, what you guys were doing as a family was, was different? I think at first growing up as a child, you're kind of oblivious and you think that whatever your family does is normal. Yeah. Um, So I didn't really pay attention, but I just, I think I really did take it for granted that that was always a priority. We always had another trip planned. Um, and a a whole bunch of times we stayed in hostels, we were traveling on a budget, but I was never asking why we weren't staying in nicer places. That was fun. Um, but as I got older, I started to realize, okay, like people are always asking us people's comments to us as we would talk to other families or other friends was, Oh, where are you guys going next? 
And I think okay. as that started to happen more often and people knew my dad always had another trip planned for us, I think that's where I started to realize, oh, maybe this is not normal. Not everyone does this. That's awesome. It's, um, it brings a big smile to my face. And I love the fact that like your, your, your passion right now obviously is linked to, to that that upbringing, right? And the other yeah. thing that's that's a bit unique that I find, and you, you've probably seen this as well, is usually the story goes that the you know indivi- the individuals work in the corporate job, an idea comes up, and it's like you have to go and pursue that. But you it was more, it was the experience, and not just you know just to clarify, not the glorified entrepreneur experience <laughs> that we all are hearing about, and that our good friend Gary V uh, tries to shut down as much as possible. Um, but like the actual, again, going back to your goal oriented upbringing, right. Of, of learning and seeing if you can do it and, and having that experience. I, I find that really inspiring. Thank you. Well, and I think it's been interesting for me. And in the first year and a half that we were starting this company, we were just sort of driven by passion and we thought, oh, this is great. We just get to talk about something we're passionate about all the time. And then in, in the last six months, we in, in, encountered a lot of challenges. And I took some time over the holiday season in December to sort of say to myself, does the world need what we are creating? Do I sincerely believe in a future where people are taking advantage of time off and people are using time off more effectively and people and their employers now are encouraging them to go somewhere because it's so difficult for us to disconnect now. And I just kept thinking, we have to push through all of these challenges because there is no doubt in my mind that the future, a brighter future involves people taking advantage of their vacation time more so than they are now. Yeah. And so I think that's that's what I've used to continue to drive me even as we've hit every challenge and every rejection possible is yes, I believe in a future that has this in it. What a powerful question and I can only imagine a bit of a terrifying question at the same time. <laughs> like how did you feel um, I mean, you know, the, the, the answer to the question, but you know, just the fact that you took t- the time to, s- to step back and, and ask yourself that with the chance of the answer being the flip side, right? Like, how did you, how did you get to that? Or how did you feel going through that process? Because that's really important. Yeah. Well, I think, so where I was forced to do some reflection was as we were going through Techstars in Chicago this summer, I effectively overworked myself. I overworked myself because I thought, well, I've moved away. I've moved away from my partner. I've moved away from my family. All I have to do is work and put my whole self into the company, as I think most startup founders do, at least at some point in starting their company. And I lost vision in my right eye. I had such an intense burnout and had to come home and had to get an MRI and make sure my health was okay. And that was the starting point for me of a whole series of challenges 
But in every challenge, every time I went to see a different specialist or someone to reflect on what I've done, both to my to my physical and mental health as a part of just putting my whole self into the company, everyone kept asking me, are you sure this is what you want to be doing? Mm. And I never hesitated with that answer. I never hesitated because I said, I believe in what we're doing so much that regardless of how it exists, whether it exists as a part of something else or it exists as something I'm just working on in my evenings or whatever it may be, regardless of how it exists, this is what I want to be doing because I so fundamentally believe in it. And if I were to go back to the corporate world, I would want that corporation to encourage me to take time off if and when it's appropriate. Like this is this is a future of a brighter a brighter future that involves better mental health, better opportunities to take time away from work, a better understanding of where the role that rest and re-energizing plays in the world that we know today. It's almost like you have a moral obligation or social obligation, right? Knowing that yeah. something like this uh, obviously has the potential to just really unlock a life and, and create so much happiness and and positive health benefits it's it's like you 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 have to do it right <laughs> exactly exactly they are, I, I couldn't i i keep i always try to think about that because especially going through tech stars and knowing so many entrepreneurs that have gone through even bigger challenges than i've gone through and talking to some people that have actually truly said yeah, it would be nice to go back to a corporate cushy job. And I've recently talked to entrepreneurs that go back and forth between corporate and startups because it is exhausting. You're putting yeah. your whole self into the startup. Um, but every time people say, oh, maybe I, I should go back and maybe I should just make a good salary for a while. I, When I've asked myself if I could do that right now, I don't think I could, at least not at this point. I'm not, I'm not ready to to stop pushing through challenges because there, you know, there are highs and lows, right? Daily, massive highs and massive lows for sure. I, I've thought about that as well. I mean, I've re, I've never gone through uh, and, and neither has anyone on the team gone through an incubator or an accelerator, which for everyone listening, that's what Techstars is. Uh, it's one of the largest in, in the world. Um, but I was speaking with someone recently that runs uh, another one and I remember asking the question, like, well, just trying to figure out the time commitment, right? And and yeah. the answer back was, you know, you know how you feel like you have two like massive balls up in the air, like family, friends, and then like, then there's the companies, the other ball. Uh, well, we're going to throw a third ball into into that mix. And <laughs> it's just like, you figure it out. And, you know, totally like you, like work through it, we'll kind of crush through the walls and stuff. But at the same time, what what I've been noticing is like, well, if we're running a wellness company and trying to promote mental health and mental fitness, I mean, I can't burn out, right? Like that, no. I, it doesn't make any sense. And, <laughs> and, and and same with the team, right? Like, and we've, we've talked about this for some of our product releases, but it's just, I feel like, and I hope that that shift in attitude is 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 starting to happen. And I, I mean, you and I have talked about it, but I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective, just given you're in the space as well. Like, are you seeing, what are you seeing from your perspective on people actually prioritizing their health as number one? 
I think it's, I think it's really hard. Um, I think especially with startups that have very specific targets and are trying to just work hard enough to survive and rely on every single person on a team, every time people take time to properly rest or disconnect or rejuvenate, there's a certain amount of guilt associated with it, whether you want it to be or not. And I go through this all the time because I know I have to rest and I cannot risk burning out again. And I need to prioritize rejuvenating. And I just started listening to an incredible audiobook um, called Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. And oh, okay. I, I think it's a fundamental part of our job to communicate to people that work and rest are not opposites and rest is necessary to work as effectively as possible. And I always try to come back to the idea that tasks will take up as much time as you allot to them. And that I think like helping people set certain boundaries and say, you know, if you actually work 8am to 6pm, and then you don't work after 6pm, you'll actually be more effective at your job and get more done the next day. Yeah. Like now I've had so many of these conversations, but it's hard, right? Because if you're the only one on your team taking time to rest, whether it's a five-person startup or a 50-person company, there's still, for the most part, between five and 50 employees, for the most part, there's still one person doing each job. Yeah. And you feel like you're letting other people down if you take time to disconnect or to properly rest or to regroup. And so it's a collective, it's a culture effort, right? Like mm. that's, that's really what needs to be communicated. And if it's just one person doing it, then they'll never feel like they're truly looking after that group, those group goals or that group mindset or pulling their weight in the group's mission. It's so true. I mean, we we were chatting earlier before we hit record, and I had mentioned it, it took a few days off um, for the first time in a bit. And I just want to make sure everyone listening, like, let's not let's be authentic. It's it's really hard. I mean, I personally struggled through that. Um, you know, to, to for the very reasons you just described. I mean, we're we're a team of six people internal, so you know, everyone's kind of doing everything right. And yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it, it is challenging, but I think as long as we accept that, right. And, and accept that that's okay, that because it's, it's against the norm and all day, every day we're faced with like just sitting in silence is, is, is almost a bizarre thing to do these days, right? It's like, oh, you should be picking up your phone at that point. Right. And, and right. endlessly scrolling on something. So it's, it's all around us. So obviously it is going to be hard and it's going to feel, um, you know, not so natural, but to your point, I think if we keep chipping away with it and if you're doing it as a group, then we have a chance to normalize this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it really, as much as it's really hard, like it does come from the top. It yeah. comes from the top. And that's why we've even talked to, as we've talked to more companies that are starting to wrap their heads around helping fund people's time off and help people using their time off more effectively, it oftentimes does start from the CEO or the C-suite executive saying, just so you know, we expect you to do this. We expect you to take your vacations. We expect you to take time off. The company will be better because of it. And until those messages come from the top, 
the employees don't believe it or it doesn't trickle down or people still feel like, like I know most of the ambitious people that I know would never leave before their boss leaves. Yeah. And that, that gives so much responsibility to the boss who is also trying to prove themselves at all times. And so like, it's, it's a collective effort. This doesn't start with one or two people. This is a collective effort to make a big change and something that's so against the, the work hard mentality that we were all sort of, that was drilled into our brains. Yeah, totally. And it, and it takes a, you know, tremendous amount of, of repetition and just to see it over and over again, that it's, um, you're right, that it's okay. Right. Yeah. Reminds me, I, I had interviewed a, um, a gentleman named Radic Sally. He used to be the uh, CEO of Swiss Vitamins um, out in Australia. And he had shared a story of when he was at Swiss, he actually had kind of an all glass office in the, in the middle of the, in the building. And he used to meditate twice a day. I think wow. it was like 10, 10 a.m. or something. And then again, um, mid afternoon. And anyone walking by would, would see that. And, you know, again, like, and his point was, you know, not, it wasn't like everyone in the office was then meditating, but they saw that it was okay, you know, that he wasn't cranking out emails or finishing reports or whatever that he was, he was prioritizing that, that time, which exactly what you said at at the end of the day actually makes you even more effective and on, on so many different levels. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. Super interesting. So I'm Eric, I'm curious. You know, having gone through that traumatic experience, like there's not a lot of people that people experience burnout um, or high stress, let's say, in their job, but not always to the point where there's like actual physical, (laughs) uh, you know, issues coming up to to the severity that, that, you know, you had or starting to lose your sight. That I mean, that's terrifying. I'm curious. having gone through that process and then, you know, now, cause it's not like the stress has, disappears, right? It's just, right. The, you know, as the company grows, the problems just, you know, they, they scale as well. Right. Um, what are some tools or practices or like, what are some of the no, non-negotiables in your life to help combat some of that so that you don't go to that place again? Yeah. Well, I think, I think I had to sort of cut out. It's funny. Cause someone asked me recently, they said, how much of what happened to you do you think was health or lifestyle related versus how much was stress related? And my answer was, I think it was 60% stress, 40% what I was doing to neglect my health. I'm generally a healthy person. I'm generally very active. I choose good foods. During Techstars, I was doing a whole lot less of that. Sure. Um, so I think on the 40%, like the dietary changes and I've, I've since cut out alcohol because I'd, I'd used wine to relax me and I never want to use that as a crutch anymore. So I've made certain changes like that, but that's the 40% that's easier to change. Yeah. Cutting out certain foods, cutting out alcohol, making certain changes like that, then making sure I'm working out regularly. That's the 40%. And then the 60% is, okay, how do I reframe in my head the challenges that we're going through. And that especially as a startup founder, especially when your company is not cash flow positive and you have to rely on other sources of funding to keep going, that can be very stressful because that is as a co-founder that is your job. So my my 
my co-founder is the technical one, looks after our platform and everything else, and I am on the business side. So it is my job to make sure we have money in the bank. And that has been a big challenge for me to overcome because I really, really wanted as much alignment as possible. I wanted to be aligned with anyone that was investing in our company. I wanted alignment. I wanted them to know what our goals are. And Vacation Fund is not the kind of company that IPOs. It's just not. It's not a company that IPOs. It can do amazing things and create a lot of value and generate a lot of revenue. But going into investor conversations, I had to make sure we were aligned with the expectations of the future of the company. Mm. So for me, I went through a lot of reframing and asking myself questions of what do I expect us to get from anyone that comes in and invests in this company. And then I took all of those assumptions. I've been journaling a lot. I have been writing in my gratitude journal a lot. I've been meditating morning and night to understand that what I'm trying to attract or the intentions I'm setting are investors that are aligned with what we believe our future looks like as a company, as a value add, as a benefit. Um, and that has helped us a lot. That's That's gone a long way. And it's easier for us to make decisions around, okay, whose money do we take versus not take um, by actually understanding what our values are and and who can understand where we're trying to go. So that was a long-winded answer to say <laughs> journaling, sure. um, the the gratitude journal, meditations. But I think really just it, like it came from initially just getting clarity around what I was really trying to do with this necessity of getting external funding. I was just going to say that the one word that comes to mind is clarity. So <laughs> exactly. It, yeah, it seems um, it seems very obvious from from how you describe that and clarity but then also you mentioned a bit about this but and maybe you can elaborate but just intention setting in some way yeah that, right in terms of the right people kind of coming into your life as well as the company's life um is that like let's talk a little bit about i'd love to talk a little bit more about your meditation and, and your journaling practice obviously we're we're super big you know huge fans of questions over here so yeah absolutely um, you you mentioned gratitude journaling. Is there like do you is that the consistent or do you switch things up depending on what's going on in your life? Like what's your what's your routine like? Yeah, well, and actually, it's interesting. I'll bring it way back to when I was leaving my corporate job to start my company. Um, I was telling actually my doctor about this, and she is absolutely phenomenal. And she said, what are you going to do for your mental health? And then when I went to see her after I got incredibly stressed, she said, Erica, I am begging you to go start seeing a therapist. And so I've had some initial conversations around this, um, and I'm still actually looking for the right person. But I was trying to understand, okay, what will a therapist help me do that I can start to practice on my own? So for me, it was mm -hmm. really like, okay, one, being grateful for all the things that are good in my life right now, that's a start. So gratitude journal is, I would say most days, morning and night, I've been doing the gratitude journal. But then also just trying to, again, coming back to clarity, get clarity around what thoughts are going on in my head. 
What do I think we are delivering? What do I think our intentions are? And writing those down. Um, I've never actually, aside from when I was a kid journaling um, our sort of travel adventures and taking <laughs> note of what we were doing in every day, like I have now sort of gone back to that, but more to get additional clarity or structure around the thoughts and assumptions that I'm making in my head. So really, I'm just trying to start the process that I will eventually, like I do plan to actually start going to see a therapist when I've found the right person. And because I think I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think there's a lot of merit to slowing people down, getting them to talk about their thoughts and getting people to test or question their own assumptions. Oh, totally. I mean, and you, I mean, you start at the very beginning of this conversation, describing a bit of your, your backstory as a, you know, high performing athlete where typically it, you know, you're surrounded by coaches, right? So, you know, when we're the, we're, when we're in the biggest game of all life, (laughs) why don't we have coaches? (laughs) Exactly. Right. So super interesting. So I have to bring this up because you haven't brought it up yet. And this came up my research and I've bolded this and it said, and it (laughs) says, ask about coconut oil pulling. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What is that all about? Okay. So (laughs) this is really interesting. And I, I think it's hilarious because like, as, as there were a million other like health things that I was going through and whenever, when I went to see my (laughs) dentist, they said, why are your teeth so perfect? Why is your mouth so healthy? Like one of the healthiest we've seen. So, so naturally as a stressed or, uh, call it high intensity person, generally, I do actually grind my teeth at night. So because I started to grind my teeth at night, I had to start wearing a mouth guard. But (laughs) this mouth guard is like, there's plastic in it, right? And so as a person that grew up with a mother that is a holistic nutritionist and a coach and has a very holistic and very natural approach to everything, I thought, well, should I be sucking on plastic all night? And so I had heard about oil pulling, um, which is basically just taking a spoonful of coconut oil and swishing it around in your mouth. And so now I do this every morning, like, like for two reasons, like it's generally, it's good for your breath. It's good for your teeth. It's good for your bones. Um, but mostly because it's supposed to help pull any toxins out that were either got into your mouth overnight or whatever it may be. I don't necessarily... Um, understand all of the science behind it, but I started doing this and I like, I don't go see the dentist very often, but every time I do, they've, they've said wonderful things. So that has just been one of my practices that I've kept doing. And most people are like, Oh, I tried it once and coconut oil is disgusting. How could you do that? But I mean, now it's just a part of my routine. I think I've been doing it for a couple of years now and it's just sort of a given for me. No, I'm super fascinated. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually move on, but I, I do have another question. So do you like, what is it? Is it like a, like a tablespoon and you, yeah. cause as soon as you're, as soon as it, uh, coconut oil gets to like a certain temperature, it just, it, it kind of removes the solid form of, of its, of it, of the oil, I guess. Right. It goes straight to oil and yeah. then you're just gargling around. Yeah, exactly. Okay, gotcha. So it's I basically just take a small scoop of coconut oil and swish it for anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes, depending on how distracted I am that morning. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it melts pretty quickly. I 
don't mind. I guess I'm just used to the texture. I think that's what throws most people off. I've done it when I've run out of coconut oil. I've done it with like, you can do it with any type of oil. I just like coconut oil. Okay. Um, You can do it with avocado oil. I I don't know. I remember reading about it and I was like, oh, sure, I'll try it. And just kept going. That's awesome. All right. I digress. Let's, uh, (laughs) you mentioned meditation. When did, when did meditation come into your life? And, um, like what is, what does your practice look like? Yeah. So I, I actually kind of remember the first time I started wrapping my head around it was, um, in fourth year university. Okay. Um, because I don't know if I was just distracted or I was sort of done with school at that point, but I started doing more research around it and I started researching sort of high performing people. And Mm. like, as soon as you start looking into meditation, I don't think you can ignore it. Like you can't ignore the results. If there was even a 5% chance that it made your mind more effective, doesn't that mean it's worth doing? Like five, whether it's five to 10 minutes a day or it's 20 minutes a day, some people go for an hour every day, whatever it is, I'm naturally a distracted person. There's lots going on in my head um, for many different aspects of my life. So I have typically gone on YouTube and whatever my sort of intentions or goals are for that point in my life, I'll find a guided meditation on YouTube that sort of aligns with that. And it's hilarious because now I've been looking up ones that help me let go and sort of metaphorically take my hands off the steering wheel and try to control the process less, which sounds counterintuitive for a startup founder. But um, yeah, whatever I'm trying to sort of manifest in my life or work towards, I just think it's so effective. Like I, I know that like when you look at the science behind visualization, and you can't ignore it. And I yeah. think that was drilled into my head as an athlete because my dad would always share with me. My dad was actually he played for the Argos for a few years, like way back in his life. So okay. he was always a, a competitive athlete as well. And I remember him always talking to me about, do you know how effective it is to visualize yourself doing something, whether it's like any kind of sport or anything that is just as effective as practicing and doing the real thing like visualize yourself doing it perfectly visualize yourself performing visualize yourself doing whatever it is that you want to do or want to accomplish and the science behind how effective that is to help make that happen is just like it's irrefutable yeah it's so powerful so do you also have then so it sounds like a lot of it is is more of a visualization type meditation and then you say you do it twice a day do you also have one where you're more of like a calming or or either like bringing in thoughts and releasing them or or uh like focus points things like that like what are the the different types yeah i tried to switch it up i never do the same one morning and night i've also been uh i've been going to yin um yoga okay just one of the places on queen west here um and they've been trying to help me sort of sit in silence they go through different practices during the yoga class. I like to joke that Yin is just stretching and sleeping, but <laughs> yeah. um, I really like it because it's that designated time that I've cut out. So I, I've been going one to two times a week. Um, that's It's that designated time that I cut out to just sit there or put my body in different positions and stretch and 
some of it, like that's a lot more silence than I do in my guided meditations, which are typically anywhere between 15 and 25 minutes. Okay. Um, but I try to switch it up. I'm still trying to understand like my, the, one of the yoga instructors um, has been trying to get me to just sit for 10 minutes a day in silence. And I still haven't done that. I think that still intimidates me a little bit because sure. at least with the guided medica- meditations, they're helping my brain stay distracted or they're keeping it on some sort of course versus sitting in silence for 10 minutes. Like I, I will do it eventually. I just, I haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Like all of these, all the practices where you're, you're really trying to either be in silence or like really focus just on one thing. It's it, I'm always amazed at like in theory, how that sounds, you know, manageable, but when, when you try it, it's so hard. It's like, oh my gosh, I, know. I, I started doing, um, Wim Hof breathing exercises for Did the last you? few months and yeah. they're, yeah, they're just un they're unreal. And I, I f- like physically have noticed, uh, a difference in energy and just in terms of, you know, fighting off colds and things like that. But oh, that's incredible. But the thing that comes up is that for anyone listening that that knows the 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 pattern, like there, you have to do a certain amount of breaths, and then you're holding your breath and whatnot. Uh, and and one of the 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 components is you, you're taking in 35 breaths at you know really whole breaths and then releasing. And it happened last night again. It's actually incredibly challenging to actually do the 35 without losing count on where oh, you're yeah. at. And it's like, oh, how yeah. can you not do 35 breaths, right? It just I'm goes not. to show how crazy, you know, the outside world and what's going on in your mind that, you know, we need how we need so much more of this. Yeah. Well, and I, I've gone through Wim Hof a few times and there's generally you're supposed to hold your breath for about two minutes. And I'm fascinated that sometimes it's nearly impossible for me to get to two minutes. And then other times it's no problem. Yeah. And I have no idea what's making that difference, but it's it's a dramatic difference. It's a, it's a bit of an eye opener. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Awesome. I definitely, I want to respect your time. So I'm going to start uh, wrapping up a little bit, but we, and these prompts are actually littered throughout the conversation. You've already left uh, quite a few, which is, which is awesome. But I I do want to get the three specific um, reflective questions that for you, either, either you use during big moments or life-changing events, or that you find come up in your life on a, on a frequent basis. And then these are loaded into the app to help guide uh, others reflection. Awesome. Well, I think, so someone told me that their definition of success that really resonated with me was doing things they care about with people they like. Okay. And I think that's powerful. So I guess that would say one of the questions is, am I working on something that I care about? The second one would be, am I working with people that I like? And number three would be, am I making a positive contribution to the world? And those three questions, so working on something you care about, I don't think it's necessary for every single person to always be working on things that they care about, but they have to at least be aware of, is this resonating with me? Am I happy working on this? Should I be doing something different? Uh, What are my priorities right now? Yeah. 
Um, but working on things you care about with people you like, that one I think is really important because that I think is one of the best parts personally, I think about starting a company is that you get to work with really, really smart people that come from very different backgrounds and have very different skill sets because you can't really have two or three people with the same skill set or else you're not using your resources effectively. Totally. So working with people you like, that doesn't mean they're people like you. That means you like working with them because you can actually learn from them and they give you a different perspective. Like that I think is really cool. Um, and then making a positive contribution to the world. I think I mean, I think some things can just be sort of transactional or to make money, but then I guess it would come down to what are you actually doing with that money. So making a positive contribution, I think, is just a good idea if people want to feel good about what they're doing. So I think that sort of goes along with, am I working on something that I care about? Is is it doing any good in the world? And I guess that sort of comes back to that question that I said I, I was asking myself saying, do I believe that in a future that needs this? Do I believe in a future that has this in it? Do I believe the world is better off with what I'm doing? Um, and I think that that just helps for reflecting and keeping people motivated. And Well, it's, it's really, you know, it's really those deeper questions like that. And, you know, the layering on the positive contribution to the world that like, those are the things that pull you through the the highs and the lows and the messy middle that like scott belsky would describe it like that's it, it it's not the you know the the, the one-off moments of excitement it's it's that longer term vision um because if, exactly. if you don't have it like that's where i see and i i think that's where you see the the high percentages of, of companies or startups failing or people throwing in the towel right like it's yeah um it, it, it's really it's not I don't want to belittle it, but it's not rocket science what we're doing. It's who no. can survive <laughs> yeah, exactly. and bring your idea and keep it out there and make it work, right? Exactly. So, Absolutely. It's so true. Um, last question for you. If you if you think over, you know, project out for the next three to six months or so, you know, what, what truly makes you smile? I think just bringing what we're doing into more companies, not for the sake of necessarily for growth or for the sake of targets but for the sake of helping more people live a life that they're proud of like even on our if you look at on vacationfund.io on our about page we wrote that all with the end user in mind so it's really people that are working for companies that are offering what we're doing it's like how do you help people not have regrets, use every year of their lives effectively, take a chance to disconnect and realize that they're better off because of it. Both they and their companies are better off because of it. So I think just like, it sounds like such a cliche, but like touching more lives and impacting more lives to help people experience something new. Like we've, we've now helped people fund trips to Australia and Thailand and British Columbia. And the idea that not even us, the idea that someone's employer helped them experience something new and get to that place and, and feel like they've earned it is, I think that's really powerful. So the more people that we can help save for experiences, the happier I become. Well, that, I mean, that brings a smile to my face. It's, um, it's a beautiful way, I think, to, to wrap this up. And I, I, and uh, along with everyone listening, just, you know, really want to thank you for doing everything 
that you can uh, on a day-to-day basis, basis to bring this vision to light, which is ultimately, you know, affecting a lot of people around the world. And for you to, you know, prioritize your own health and going through your own journey, I mean, it's just, it's just resulting in such awesomeness for the rest of us. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing. And I appreciate a chance to sort of chat and reflect on what we've both learned in this journey. Still lots to go. (laughs) Oh, lots to go. Always lots to go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. 